1: Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CMO Moves. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Evan Green, who is the CMO of the Recording Academy, also known as the Grammys. Hi, Evan. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Nadine. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm so glad you could join me today. Um, I think, why don't we start off with you know just a quick overview of the Recording Academy and how the Grammys fits into the big picture?
0: Sure. What most people don't realize is that we are a nonprofit trade organization uh, that was founded to serve the interests and the needs of music and its makers. And I know that's a bit of a of a mouthful, but we do a lot of things all throughout the year that a lot of people are not terribly familiar with. We have advocacy efforts on Capitol Hill where we advocate for the rights of music creators and intellectual property protection. We have a membership uh, division with, with probably about 15,000 music creators who we count as our members and, and constituents. We've also got um, uh, a charitable foundation where uh, you know we create a safety net for music creators in need, and we also try and empower the next generation of music makers through the Grammy Museum, as well as through Music Cares, and then we also have an awards division that, that celebrates excellence. And that's what we're most known for when one night a year on that special night in either January or February, the world is watching the Grammy Awards. And that has really become our calling card. It's become what we've been known for. And that has given us a tremendous amount of credibility and leverage in the marketplace to execute a lot of the other. Important initiatives that we um, that we find so so vital to the industry.
1: Yeah, and the Grammys is uh, absolutely amazing every year, and I know that takes a ton of work preparing for that one night a year. But I also know that you've been looking for lots of new ways uh, in your chief marketing officer role to extend that experience beyond just that one night. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah you know it's a bit of a double edged sword the grammys have become such a big iconic brand i mean we are the biggest brand in music arguably the biggest brand in the history of music and on the on the positive side it creates a tremendous amount of awareness and a really broad footprint um on the other side of the equation however it can sometimes overshadow and drown out some of the more important institutional messages that are key for the Recording Academy. So oftentimes when people think about the Grammys, they don't think about all of these other things that we do. And so the biggest real challenge from a brand and a marketing and a communication standpoint is to make sure that we are having a respectful two-way dialogue with uh, with our social ecosystem on a daily basis and communicating all year long so that it doesn't seem like the Grammys and the Recording Academy are around for one three and a half hour window on CBS per year, but that we extend that relationship deep and 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 far and wide not only throughout the consumer landscape but also throughout our constituency, which is uh, music creators and those are the people that that the academy was designed to serve
1: and I love the way that you said the social ecosystem. How would you define that?
0: Well, I think, you know, the the whole idea and the whole concept of audience has shifted radically over the past decade. And it's no longer, uh, you no longer reach people through TV, print, outdoor and radio. Um, You know, I think we we all have a very involved and engaged ecosystem of different sizes and and different um, breadth. And, um, you know, there is no one audience anymore. There are multiple audiences and you need to speak in different voices and different tones. You don't have to change your message, but you may need to shift the tone that you're communicating because there, you know, the social ecosystem is so, so diverse now that different groups, different, um, different constituents consume media and consume messaging in different ways. And so you have to really these days understand who you're targeting and the best way to reach them. Mm
1: -hmm. And I know you've been looking uh, far and deep into all the different social channels out there. Is there one channel that really popped up recently for you that you're like, wow, this is really challenging or very interesting or the most fun uh, that you would point to as, hey, that's, that's a channel to pay attention to?
0: You know, I don't know that there's any one channel that stands out as kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the focus or the go-to. I think in today's ever-shifting consumer landscape, um, it's really important to understand all the different means of communication and really figuring out how to, how to sometimes segment your message. Um, I think Facebook has its, it's its value and its benefits. Same with Twitter. Same with Instagram, Snapchat. You know all of the platforms that we're aware of. But also, you know, not forgetting, um, you know, the broadcast space as well. And even traditional above the line media is an important part of the media mix and the and the communication mix. So I don't think it's any one thing where where you know marketers are putting their basket. You know, putting all their eggs in that one basket anymore. Um, I really think it's understanding and it's. It, it, I, I think it's really spending a little bit more time and a little bit more resources on data and analytics and really figuring out who your audience is and, and where they are and the best way to reach them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when you were talking earlier, you were talking about all the different things that the recording Academy does and that's a lot of different hats for you to wear. You know, How did you go about taking on this role uh, with the Recording Academy? Was there something specific that you were focused on before that was sort of a natural path to this? Or was this really an opportunity to really spread out your influence, if you will, in so many different areas?
0: Well, before I came to the Academy, I was on the theatrical marketing side. So I was, um, I was involved in marketing for feature films. And ironically, I think one of the reasons that I got the nod to come to the recording academy is because I'm not a music guy. I, I love music, but I didn't come up in the music industry. So I, I guess you could say I was, I was, I was too naive to know what I should or shouldn't be doing in the music industry. And I, and I think I came to this role without a lot of preconceived notions about um, about what's possible and what's not possible. And I came to the Academy. I got, I got the tap on the shoulder about 14 and a half years ago. It's pretty hard to believe that it's been that long, but um, there was no marketing department. And so I started the marketing department. It was myself and an assistant and a legal pad trying to sketch out what uh, this brand was going to evolve into and what we were going to become as an Academy and as, as, as a brand, and we hadn't thought of ourselves as a brand up until that point. We thought of ourselves as a nonprofit trade organization who happened to have a television show that was you know, moderately popular. And the question was, what do we wanna be when we grow up? And so um, I think my background and my experience uh, in marketing and in brand identity and in advertising, and frankly, in narrative storytelling and creating messages uh, that connect with people. Uh, I think those were all very, um, very important to how we built the marketing strategy for the Academy. And I also think central to that, uh, you know, I I, I put together, um, you know, brand marketing deals for a good part of my career. And that was a really great education in how to build relationships and how to create consensus. And I think that was really important for me coming to the Academy because I had, I had a very traditional conservative board who was not really excited about big changes. And I saw myself as somewhat of an agent of change and, um, you know, I think we all are the sum total of the relationships and the experiences that we develop along the way. And all of those things that I had done in my career previous to this had really prepared me and built a, a kind of a foundational platform to sequentially um, model the, the the brand and marketing strategy uh, for what the Grammys and the Recording Academy was to become. Mm-hmm.
1: And what would you say were some of your best moves that you made along the way? Because fourteen and a half years—that's that's a long time in any particular role. So I'm sure you've done a lot of amazing things.
0: Well, it's it's really it's really interesting um, looking back on it. Some of the things I'm about to say are, are going to sound, um, you know, they're going to sound obvious, and I think they're going to sound like, yeah, of course you would you would want to do that. Anyone would want to do that. But we, none of this had been done. At the academy previously, so when I got there, one of the first things I did was commission uh, a pretty in-depth research study about consumer perceptions about who we are and what we do and and where we're strong and and where we have uh, some distance to travel. And it was very interesting. It was very eye-opening about um, how people thought and felt about what we do and how we do it and our importance to not only the industry. But to popular culture in general, then we looked at our brand identity and we refreshed our um, our visual identity and and um, you know updated how we presented ourselves to the world. Um, we then created a marketing strategy, right? I, identifying objective strategies and tactics, and figuring out what some of our um, what some of our objectives were, and then backing into that. Cause once you, once you can determine your destination, then you can start to pave the path to get there. And then I think one of the biggest challenges and one of the biggest, I think, um, uh, opportunities was really determining and figuring out how to work with my board, um, who up until this point had never really thought about how we market and, um you know, and how we communicate ourselves to the, to the general public. It, it had always been about, you know, what do we do for our members and how do we, how do we serve the industry? And the show had always been um, nice to have. And, and we started to harness it as really being a huge asset and using it to our, to our benefit in, in some extraordinary ways. So I would say just on it, you know, th- those are some of the fundamental blocking and tackling things that had to be done initially um, just to kind of put us on the right path so that we so that we could build the road towards towards the future that we ultimately you know started to realize.
1: So in some of the earlier podcasts um, to date, uh, I've spent quite a bit of time talking with folks about how to actually get a seat on a board or what their responsibility is when they are serving a board, but let's talk about your role as CMO helping to guide and and shape the direction uh, that the company is taking with the board. Were there certain skills that you really needed to develop or certain aspects of the marketing role that you needed to lean into to really be able to communicate the vision that you had?
0: I think, well, as I touched on earlier, I think relationships are really key and I think a a core skill towards building relationships is figuring out how to read the room, right? We've all had experiences where we say things that that aren't received in the way that we intended. I mean, just look at email communication, right? Sometimes you mean one thing and it comes across in a very different way. So it wasn't about amassing the information. It was really about determining the best way to organize the information and present it so that it was received in a in a positive and constructive way, and um, you know it was a very interesting dynamic um, w- when I got there when I got there there was uh, I had some very difficult board meetings where you know people would stand up in front of our board and say things to the effect of you know i don 't want to hear about the brand I want to hear about what you 're going to do for our members, and there were people that um, thought the idea of marketing in general was somewhat gratuitous and somewhat, um, uh, somewhat gratuitous and, and, and somewhat of a, um, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but somewhat of, of selling out because we were taking our eye off of, you know, the core mission of the Academy, which is our members without realizing that the stronger we can make our brand and the more Um, affinity we could create and the more resonance that we could create for our brand, um, the more visibility and the more opportunities it it created all across the academy. So what, what was a very interesting moment of change and moment of shift was when some of the biggest um, uh, let's say uh, some of the biggest skeptics about what we were doing on the marketing side started adopting kind of brand language as if it were their own and started questioning things based on how that would affect the brand and what that would mean to consumer perception. And once that started happening, I realized that some of the pieces that we had put in place and some of the seeds that we had planted had started to sprout and it wasn't done in a way that was forceful. It was a way that was done where we, we, we brought people along to be part of the solution um, and I would, you know, I would, I would say that that was a, that was a really important turning point.
1: And how long did it take for you to get to that turning point? Would you say?
0: It was, it was several years. I mean, it, it, it took a while. I mean, you know, um, you know, when you're in the middle of an ocean and you have to turn, you know, a, a big tanker or a cruise ship, you can't just turn it around on a dime. You have to, you know, you have to make s es- es- turns and and it takes a while to slow down and, and to to make that um, that rotation and so you know it was sequential right we had to we had to do research we had to figure out who we wanted to be when we grew up we had to figure out what we wanted our messaging to be we had to we had to redefine who our audience was was our audience just who Nielsen was telling us was watching the show or was there you know a deeper psychographic series of segments that we had to address. Then once we figured out all of that, we also realized that as a nonprofit trade organization, we don't have the kind of budgets that other brands of our size have. So we started really focusing on, on partnership marketing and borrowed equity and building relationships with the right brands for the right reasons that allowed us to penetrate channels that we could never get into on our own. And I, you know, I think that that a big part of the success that, that that you achieve um, in large measure is based on the company that you keep. And so we built relationships with some of the biggest brands, most credible brands on the planet. Um, and that helped further cement our place in pop culture. Um, and that allowed us greater credibility and, and greater flexibility and latitude to start doing other things that we didn't uh, previously have the opportunity to do. And so, when you when you you look at all of that, when you look at our our you know corporate identity, when you look at our messaging, um, starting to align companies to get, uh, divisions of the company together uh, around unifying mission and a unifying purpose. Um, you know, it took a couple of years. It took a couple of years to uh, you know to, to to start to make that progress. We were not a marketing organization in looking for a new head of marketing. We were a nonprofit organization. We were kind of a little academy that could, and we were looking for, um, you know, a bit of, a bit of direction and a little bit of rocket fuel to start to really realize the potential that we had. We had all these extraordinary assets and extraordinary stories. We just need to sense synth- we needed to synthesize them and make sure that we, we put them in the right order and figured out how to to communicate them to the right people in the right ways. (laughs) And so there were, you know, there were some people with, you know, internally, there were some people on the board that, that had some crossed arms. Um, and I'm certainly not here to tell you that we did everything right. And I'm not here to say that we didn't make some mistakes and we probably ruffled a few feathers along the way, but I'm a big believer in the idea that, um, you know, there's a, there's a quiet confidence that comes from knowing you're doing the right thing for the right reason. Mm-hmm. And now, when I look back, you know, 14 years, uh, 14 and a half years, um, you know, from where we started this science experiment called the marketing department to where we are now, I think the change has been, you know, quite extraordinary.
1: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, not doing everything right. And certainly that plagues a lot of people in their career development where they'll, they'll let that derail them. Is there something that you maybe didn't do quite right, that you were able to flip around and turn it into a new path?
0: I think I took certain liberties when I started. Um, I I started this journey with an expectation that the people that I was there to serve, the constituents and other key stakeholders at the academy were aligned around what the vision was and where we needed to go as a brand. And I learned pretty quickly that that wasn't the case and it required me to put in a lot of work, a lot of relationship work, a lot of one-on-one work, a lot of individual conversations to articulate what we were doing and why we were doing it. So I think I, I think, you know, initially as we started down this, 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 um, this path, I, I, I took certain things for granted and I didn't take the requisite amount of time to, um, to hear what others concerns were and to figure out how to um, mold the message in a way that they could take ownership of as well and be part of the solution, I just came in and assumed that that everybody felt the same way. And so I learned pretty quickly that that wasn't the case, and, and, it, and it caused me to, you know, I was head down at the beginning, and it caused me to lift my head up and say, okay, well, we've got some additional education that we have to do. And we have to do some, you know, we have to do a bit of a listening tour, um, to make sure that we're being sensitive to some of the key stakeholders here. And, you know, ultimately there were, you know, there were some things that we learned and we made some modifications. And then there were some other times where we said, you know what, we're going to take the position that we hear you, but we think in the, in the spirit of, of the bigger picture, um, we're not going to necessarily adopt every one of your your recommendations or suggestions or sensitivities.
1: Mm-hmm. That's super interesting and, and a great tip for everyone to make sure that they lift their head up, right? Um, so thanks for sharing that. Did you always want to be in marketing, Evan?
0: You know, it's interesting. I, um, I'll tell you two things about that. Number one, I took a class when I was 16 years old. Called propaganda in the mass media, <laughs> and it was about it was about propaganda and and how it started in wartime and how um, you know the 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 war messages were created and and you know and integrated into uh, the opening um, you know the opening few minutes before a film was 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 run in theaters and then it kind of followed. That all the way through, you know, the the seventies and the eighties and the golden age of advertising and all of that, and the thing that fascinated me was the idea of shifting public opinion, and um, and that's what really cemented in me the idea that I wanted to be in marketing, and I wanted I wanted the opportunity to have an impact and to be able to shift public opinion. Um, and the other thing is, is I spent. 10 years, as I mentioned, on the on the, the, the movie side. And it took me a while to figure out what it was about marketing that I really loved. And it, at one point, it really all clicked for me, which is that um, good marketing is about telling a good story. And, you know, I'm a storyteller. And, um, you know, you can tell a story in one frame. You can tell a story in a 30-second piece of advertising. You can tell a story in a three and a half hour feature film, three, a three act feature film. And so, um, that's really what, that's really what, um, when the light bulb went off for me, um, when I realized that, you know, it really is all about, it, it's all about storytelling. And when you think about the, you know, the, the things that we connect with in society and in culture, Oftentimes it's, it's, it's things that are associated with a compelling narrative.
1: Absolutely. And are there people that you look at as inspirational folks that you would say, those are amazing storytellers?
0: Well, I I don't know that there's anyone individually that I would look to. I mean, I, you know, I, I look to, um, the creative industry and I watch a lot of films. I watch, television. I, I really try to be a student of, of advertising and marketing. Um, and I, you know, I try to look at really good work and, um, you know, open myself up to being inspired. And, um, you know, again, so I I don't think that there's any one person that I look at as a model. Um, but I, I, am always looking and keeping my eyes open and, and ears open and really looking to find, um, you know, those things that grab me. And you know, you never know. You never know when those when when those moments of inspiration are gonna are going to spark a great idea. And that's that's kind of the beauty of this of this business.
1: Is there a an example of that, maybe, where you saw something that inspired you and you turned it into? something that you were able to provide for the Recording at Academy?
0: I'll give you one one story that, that immediately comes to mind, and it has to do with building a marketing partnership that I'm particularly proud of. About three years ago, um, a good friend of mine um, at Intel called me, and he said, you know, we're, we're, we're shifting our entire global brand platform And we no longer want to just be the Intel Inside people that provide computer chips. We want to now be known as the the company that provides great experiences on the outside, meaning that Intel Inside translates to great experiences outside. And we're getting into lifestyle, we're getting into sports, we're getting into entertainment in a number of new and interesting and different ways. How can we align ourselves with music in a way that fits in with our, with, with our new brand ethos? And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought, you know, the thing that the Grammys are really known for are these extraordinary moments that happen on our stage that could never even be contemplated by anybody else. These moments that we call Grammy moments. What if we use technology? to create the next generation of Grammy moments? What if Intel were to be able to help us realize that vision and take credit and take ownership for creating that next level of music experience that had never been established previously? And so that was the year, that was the 57th Grammys where um, we had the unfortunate passing of David Bowie. And Lady Gaga ended up doing a David Bowie tribute, and Intel created technology that, to that point, had never been had never been utilized. Certainly, never utilized in any sort of application close to what we were envisioning it for. And that entire performance was enabled by Intel, and there were there were these extraordinary there were these extraordinary technological. Um, executions that really brought that alive in in only a way that they could have and in only a way that that could have happened based on the right idea and the right creative vision. And, um, you know, it really created one of the all time great Grammy moments and it, and it created the kind of tribute to, um, you know, to an iconic artist who was known for pushing the envelope technologically um, that only could have happened through this kind of, of collaboration. So I, uh, you know, given the right, given the right push and given the right motivation and given the right inputs, and frankly, you know, maybe right place, right time, all of that came together um, in a way that, you know, had never been done before. And, and that's one of the things that really inspires me is, doing things that move the needle, doing things that get noticed and doing things that, um, you know, haven't even really been contemplated previously.
1: So that is a great example. Thanks so much for sharing that. And we are almost out of time. So I have just one last question for you. If you were not a CMO, what would you be?
0: Um, one of two things. Number one, I would probably be a competitive skydiver because um, <laughs> i was uh, i was I was competitive for a while before I started having kids and and then you know started getting a little bit more um, you know a little bit more responsible with uh, with being a grown up um, so that would be the first thing and uh, concurrently, I would love to be a um, a writer producer of feature films, because again, I think it's really about telling a great story. And I think the idea of marketing and the idea of storytelling are so intricately and intimately intertwined, um, that, you know, I just find myself, uh, you know, with such respect for people that can, that can, that can tell that kind of a story and bring it alive and bring audiences to a place that they've never been.
1: Maybe you should write a feature film about skydiving.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe maybe I will.
1: (laughs) I'll be the first to watch it. So thank you so much, Evan, for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure to chat with you.
0: My pleasure. Anytime.
1: Have a super
0: day. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey there. Are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company?